Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Podgo is providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. That is one more time, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, podgo dot co. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hi, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan. If you'd like hearing knock-knock jokes or jokes about your grandmother, go somewhere else! Oh! Oh, my God! This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Cody Rhodes, and you are listening to two-man power trip. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. This is a uh, special visitor, the hardcore legend, Mick Foley. It was a very rough feud to go through with Rick. It was a very bitter feud, too. He certainly didn't like me at that time, and I didn't like him, and we were both trying to be at the top. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that, and every kid I, they knew they could kick the shit out of me. At this point, well, I'll be at a signing, and little kids will come up to me and throw up the click sign or talk about, oh, your ladder match with Sean at WrestleMania 10. I go, wait a minute, you weren't even a glimmer in your dad's eye. But yeah, bro, it's really flattering and, and amazing and humbling. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Now, for some TMPT business, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip, and at Razzlin Pal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Check out the feed for awesome past episodes, including Bruno San Martino, Sean Mike, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, Glenn Kane Jacobs, and so many more. While you're on the web, visit ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. Visit our store, visit J.J. Dillon's store, Francine's store, and of course, the franchise Shank Douglas' store. For all you Android users out there, find us on Google Play and Player FM. For all you iOS users, check us out on TuneIn Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podomatic, and now Stitcher. And of course, check out the Empire. Yes, that is the TMPT Empire now. TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two-man power trip of wrestling. 
Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am your host, J.P. John Paz. And on this show today, we have one half of the heartthrobs, a former WWE superstar. You may know him as Thomas Santel or Antonio Thomas. Thomas, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Oh, thank you for having me, John. It's, uh, it's great to be here. So what have you been up to? What's going on in your world? Uh, just, just in real world, just enjoying being married, um, just trying to stay as safe as possible and, you know, still, still live life as, as, as well as you can. Life must go on, but as safely as possible. So, um, you know, for me, that's been, that's been no wrestling, um, since the pandemic started, but, uh, that'll change eventually. And I really can't wait to get get back in there i've been i bought all sorts of stuff you know i've done everything i do a lot of martial arts um and have for you know uh the last 10 years and coach it and and help train people as well i haven't been able to do any jujitsu or grappling since march but uh i bought a muay thai bag for kickboxing and i have a heavy bag downstairs so um i'm staying in shape so um I'll be back in the ring. Don't know the exact date, but I'll, I'll Thomas Antel will will bring that classic pro wrestling back to the current modern day landscape. I feel like the guys who aren't wrestling, like you said, you haven't wrestled in six months, even longer than that. It's like it's been crazy. Do you get rusty? Do you need to start taking bumps again? Do you need to start running the ropes again? I mean, what is like kind of the process like of getting back into the ring? Um. Yeah, well, the only the only other time I've been out longer was when I had shoulder surgery at the end of 2010, and even then I got back into the ring just being able to run the ropes and do some light stuff um, within five months, six months. Uh, but yeah, you 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 definitely need to get your timing back. Your you can do as much cardio as you want, and and I think doing jujitsu and doing muay thai, kickboxing, boxing, those things simulate. Um, I think wrestling, you know, amateur wrestling as well. Any kind of, of any style of that simulates wrestling, pro wrestling, but being out there in front of the crowd, being hitting the ropes. Um, bumping there's nothing like it so you know there you gotta you gotta get in there slowly and get the the ring rust off and get your timing back and then you gotta get get rid of the show rust um you know uh and you know even even now people that are working regularly it's it's only once a week and that's that's not nearly enough you know um you know you you do house show tours or you do tours of japan you start getting on the rhythm when you start doing three four five shows in a row and then unfortunately it it stops so you don't get to pick up that rhythm a lot of time so so yeah it's it's slowly getting back in there and i think that first bump you know i've taken i don't know how many bumps but I, i'm sure that first bump back will kind of suck <laughs> mm-hmm. yep might take uh, your breath away for for a second, for sure. It might. It might. <laughs> 
that's one of the things to me. It's like, wow, like even AEW guys and WWE guys, they're probably realistically only wrestling once, maybe twice a week. So, yeah. I mean, that is so much different than it used to be. So not only is there rust a factor, but I feel like injuries are going to start popping up more and more. Yeah, I think you're seeing that now. You see guys getting hurt, you know, back back in the territories, guys are working every night and guys were not getting hurt. And now guys are getting hurt all the time, guys and girls, excuse me. Um, so it's not that the, the athletes aren't uh, great because they're better than they've ever been. And there's not that there's great workers. I just think you – you know, from from doing shows with Dr. Tom and, and knowing Dr. Tom, you need to get your reps and you need to um, whatever you do, you need to do it every day to get better. And if it's you can't be in the ring every day, obviously, but you need to be out on the mats or doing something to, you know, strengthen your body or do similar movements to, you know, um, Anything maybe that simulates some of the th- the style that you do in the ring. For me, it's it's doing amateur wrestling stuff and grappling and striking. So that stuff helps compensate when I'm not in the ring. But there's nothing like being in the ring. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Dr. Tom always kind of praises that, like you know, the practicing and the repetition and the basics and the fundamentals. I feel like they're going to lose that, or they have been losing. I mean, you could tell some some of the in ring work and it kind of the crowd can mask it sometimes. Obviously, there is no crowd right now, so you're really seeing it. But yeah, there's been, uh, I don't know, it's been a little weak to say the least uh, as I, far as current wrestling. Yeah, I think you see a lot of guys. I you, I notice it, um, you know, on some of the camera cuts on WWE. If it wasn't for some of those camera cuts, some of those strikes would would be a mile away. And I'm not saying that to knock on on people, but um, the the striking acts aspect, the work punches, um, the the kicks, uh, stuff like that, um, you know, where you barely touch them or don't even touch them, but it makes it look like you're you're killing them or connecting. That's the magic of pro wrestling, and and I think that that definitely um gets rusty and takes a hit when you're not getting your reps um i mean you can do things you know i was when i first started i was told you know try try practicing against the the ring post and you know distant you know get your your distance and try practicing your punches or or against the wall and if you hurt your hand well then you're (laughs) You're not doing it right. So that that might be a little extreme, but, you know, there's there's a lot of things in pro wrestling that unless you're working, unless you're doing shows, um, you know, you you can't it's it's very hard to improve on them doing it once a week. Now, right now, WB has developmental. They have NXT. It's kind of really kind of amped up, and they have it on TV, obviously, on the USA Network as well. But the PC is amped up. I mean, everything is really nice. And I kind of just think about you and kind of when you started. Was OVW, when you first got you know noticed and signed, was OVW where you were sent for developmental? Yeah. Um, I got signed in July of 2004, and that was, you know – I had actually gone to a OVW camp that March um, with a lot of, and there were a lot of guys there that ended up getting signed and going on to, to WWE um, and eventually going to either Deep South or OVW. 
Um, but yeah, that, that's where I went and, um, OVW was around, I think it started in 98 or 99 when, um, no, maybe early 96 was, I think Rob Conway started and, um, I think WWE affiliation started in 2000, I believe. So OVW, yeah, was alive and well and it was the only, um, it was the only developmental at the time. So Danny Davis was running it when you were there, obviously, the yeah. owner. And was Cornette the guy in charge? Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Cornette was uh, – he was the booker. He um, he ran through everything on our TV with us that day. Um, he put uh, – learning from – you know, listen, people are going to – there's people that love – he's very polarizing. There's people that love him. There's people that don't, but – Learning from him, um, Jimmy's in, in OVW and Ring of Honor. Jimmy has done nothing but good by me. So, um, you know, learning from him was a PhD, uh, is a master class in piecing together matches, sequencing things, um, because he would do it for all of us because so many of us were so green that – and the TV was live to tape. So there was no editing, there was no, um, you know, there was, there was no going back and, and fixing it. It was taped live to tape. So you, it was, it was, it was tougher than being on raw because you had to hit your cue, t- your exact times and the TV breaks had to be right on point. So, you know, learning from him and then Lance Storm was was the trainer there when I was there and um so learning from those guys was I it's very hard to top that the the experience and the knowledge all around from Danny having knowing the the he was a part of the nightmares you know the tag team knowledge and the the behind the scenes knowledge that he brought Jimmy um, and then Lance, and then there are other people, you know, Bill DeMott was there when I first got there. Um, Al Snow would come down. A lot of guys on the, the roster would, would pop in. So you were always, you know, it was, it was awesome. I, I couldn't have had a better education and, uh, you know, to, to build on what I had already learned. I feel like Cornette definitely said, you know, polarizing would definitely be a way to describe it. But I feel <laughs> like it's so funny that people, like, just judging a personality, they don't realize, like, how much of a genius he is as yeah. far as wrestling. I mean, he, the guy knows everything in the history of the business. He knows everything. And I think, you know, a little bit of, of what he does in the podcast and shooting at people and a little bit is, is, is a work, obviously, and he kind of plays up because it gets so many downloads and so many sure. looks. So what was kind of your experience with him, like, overall, just as far as, like, personality-wise? Meshed well with him? He was fine? Yeah. Um, you know, he was there at that, that first OVW camp I did. And then the first day I showed up at OVW for, for TV, you know, he was like, Hey, promise. And he knew me maybe, you know, and he, he put myself and, um, my tag partner, John Roselli, he, we teamed together and trained with each other. We knew each other. Um, Cause we trained in Springfield mass together um, before I even had a first match. So we both got down to OVW different by different paths. And, you know, we're 
we weren't six five or six three what they were looking. We were too lean, you know, five ten, five eleven looking kind of fitness model guys. So we're like, hey, we Jimmy put us together as a tag team and um you know he he decided to to do that and uh but he was he was he was great with us. He was honest and um you know Jimmy didn't say anything that other people didn't say and that's um you know and take away the the young buck stuff and the Kenny Omega stuff you know, I listen to a ton of podcasts and there's a lot of people. I'm not defending Cornette. I'm not, I don't agree with everything that people say, but again, Jimmy is a, has always done good by me. And, um, you know, he just has a different way of, 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 of opinionating things, I think. But he's, he was, um, I, I think the tag teams were like his, us, Eminem, um, Jeter and Capitelli, we, he loved tag team wrestling and he gave us as much attention, um, in teaching us as he did anyone else. With you and obviously Romeo Roselli, the Johnny Heartbreaker, John Roselli, whatever you want to call him, did you guys know each other beforehand? Were you ever uh, together as a team beforehand or only OVW is kind of when you first, you know, got together? Yeah, no, no. We, um, I, he had started in like 2000. I started in two, beginning of 2001 at Kowalski's. But then I, as I was training there, I found out there was a ring where, where there was a local worker that was training, um, training people, you know, 15 minutes from my house. So I checked that place out and started training there as well. And that's where, that's where John trained. So, you know, we would, you know, there's a whole bunch of us, a whole group of us from up here that um, would travel together and and help each other out and and go play. You know, um, meet you know Smart Mark Sterling, who you might know, the MJF's lawyer that was on AEW, um, Sasha Banks's husband Sarat, who's the the costume maker for WWE. He trained with us as well. Um, just a lot of guys from up in the, this area. And, um, we just started working all around new England together and, you know, up in the Northeast. And, um, John and I were always of, of like mindset. We both knew we wanted to get to WWE. Um, I was more of the, you know, watch ring of honor and wanted to go there and wanted to go to Japan and places like that. And, John brought more of the, the showmanship at the time. So we started, you know, we started teaming for my, my friend was running the EWA, Eastern Wrestling Alliance up in, here in, in New England. And he, he started putting us together and it, it wasn't shortly thereafter that, um, we, we got to OVW by different paths. Interesting. So you you know you knew each other. You just uh, you oh, know, yeah. diff, different way to get there. Okay, that's kind yeah. of a you know unique unique story though because it's like okay you know we we know each other we're familiar with each other so we're probably going to have some chemistry. Why not team together? And yeah. Cornette was all for it. He loved the idea. He wasn't he wasn't for it at first because he wanted to use me as a baby face and John was already established. Um, he gave him the name Romeo, Romeo Roselli, and John was kind of established. John wasn't, 
I had a contract and John was non-contract. So, but Jimmy was using him on TV as a, as a, um, I don't want to say an enhancement guy, but just to have good solid matches with some of the contract talent. So we, yeah, we definitely took different paths there. But then finally Jimmy said one day, um, he goes, I, I, he goes, it finally hit me the other day. He goes, I've been wanting to do this tag team for 20 years with two good looking baby faces with white tights with red hearts and lips on them. And he goes, uh, go get Fred feather boas. I want to call you the heartbreakers. Like I want you to be like the new fabulous ones. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh, okay and john was like he was like oh this is this is kind of cool i like this so i was like okay um (laughs) this is a complete 180 from from whatever i was at the time but you know the hell with it let's let's have fun you know did did you know the reference to fabulous ones were you a big fan oh my oh absolutely you know absolutely i I've always studied, I've been a wrestling fan since I was eight years old and I would read all the magazines. I would get, I'd go to the library and remember there was a book. It was the good, the bad and the ugly of pro wrestling and it finding out all these other, you know, you only know growing up in the Northeast that there's WWF, but then you find out all this other wrestling and that made me just want to learn all about history and and um there's a, a fantastic um wrestling historian in this area named tom burke that uh i got to know doing indies up here and you know became friends with a lot of the workers and he has a virtual museum in his um his home and um just learning from him and 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 other guys like les thatcher and then you know just once the internet came and just learning, you know, all about Strangler Lewis and Jim Londos and all that, I, that's one thing I pride myself on was knowing the history and, um, whatever you do, whether it's basketball, baseball, know the history of your sport. I think it only, it helps. And especially in wrestling, like you can take, so there's so many things that, are foreign today that were done, you know, in the fifties and sixties that if you incorporated them today, they would be new again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. What's old is new. Yeah. You got to do some old school stuff and people the, would definitely, the Pat, o- the Pat O'Connor spinning arm bar or, um, head scissors, <laughs> you know, you don't see too Chad Gable, I think does them, but he's unfortunately never on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shorty G, and now he's Chad Gable again, and then he's not even on TV, yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. So you know your history, obviously. You're you're a big fan, a bit of a historian. They make you the Heartbreakers. Do you like the name? Do you, you know, are you going for, okay, you know, Antonio Thomas, okay, you know, Romeo Roselli. Are you okay with the whole package? Um, we didn't know you know they he put us with mo green who was kind of like a little shorter version of slick and um it worked we didn't know 
you know, so we like myself, John, Matt Morgan, Carlito, uh, the boogeyman, we all lived in the same uh, suburban lodge complex in, in in Louisville. So John was like two doors down from me. So he'd be watching like Night at the Roxbury and Fresh Prince and I'd be watching Ring of Honor VHS stuff or Japanese, you know, I'd be watching wrestling stuff. So he would take character things from like the head bobbing and the thrusting from like Night at the Roxbury and say, hey, let's incorporate this and, um, you know, throw in a Fargo strut here and there and um, stuff like that. And just we just said, let's have fun with this and let's let's make some noise and get noticed with it. So it was certainly different for me uh for both of us but we just said the hell with it let's have fun with it and uh we started off as heels and within two weeks there were teenage boys dressing up as us in boas and um that jimmy we popped the boys which i think is the ultimate test of if you can get over um you know, guys like like Kevin Thorne, who's seven at the time, and Mordecai, you know, a big burly guy, Matt Morgan, were like loving stuff that we were doing. So if you can make guys like that laugh, um, and and in, be enjoyable, then I think we're onto something here. <laughs> For sure. I mean, and, and all those guys there is great. I know Kevin pretty well. He's a great guy. He's yeah, dominating yep. the, the real estate world dominating right now. Realist, yeah. heavyweight champion of the real estate world in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Matt Morgan's a politician. I mean, all these yep. guys. Yep. Yeah. These yep. big guys. Who knew? You know, they had uh, <laughs> this other career in them. Yeah. So when you guys are going through and everything is going on, were you there for the whole Santino Cornette thing uh, with the boogeyman? Was that, were you, that like during your time there? Um, no, we were on the main roster. Okay. Okay. Then. So, um, I, I've obviously had heard about it. Um, and I had known Santino from being in the, um, uh, the non-contract class, but I, you know, we, we got called up to the main roster in April. Um, and that I think I believe was like in July of 2005. So, we were on the road at the time and we're, when we weren't on the road, you know, we, we, once we got called up, we didn't have, we were not on OVW TV anymore. So, um, you know, so we weren't, no, I wasn't there. How does the process go of getting called up and getting signed? Is that something that it's like Cornette doing it? Does Johnny Ace call you? Like, how does that whole process go down? Well, to, when we got called up, it was um, Tommy Dreamer called us on a Friday each separately and said, this Monday you're debuting at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I don't know what your names are. I don't know what you're doing, but, you know, Howard Finkel will be in touch with you with your travel information. And it was just like, what? And uh, so that's <laughs> that's kind of how it happened. It was pretty quick. Um, to get signed was quickly as well, but the whole, um, to get signed was through Dr. Tom and, um, I started January of 2001. I got signed, I got signed relatively quick. 
So I was only working three years um, when I did. But, you know, Dr. Tom, I would do all Dr. Tom's training camps, the seminars up up here in New England. I did the first one for Mike Sparta up um, August of 2002. Um, I was there, Johnny Heartbreaker, um, Rob Echoes, Robbie E was there. Um, there were a lot of... A lot of guys from up here that went and every time he came around, I would, you know, do do the Dr. Tom camps. Um, it was at chaotic wrestling at the time. And um, the guy I was training with at the time and some other guys were like, you know, don't don't go to TV yet. Don't put your name in for TV yet. Wait, keep getting some reps, keep doing because I was working everywhere I could and just working everywhere up in New England and the Northeast, New York, New Jersey, everywhere I could and just to get reps. And they said, you need to get your, get a couple year reps and then go to, you know, go to TV. So you get looked at more than just an enhancement guy. So, um, yeah, I just kept doing the camps from Dr. Tom and just said, you know, he just said, keep doing what you're doing. And, and finally, uh, I did a camp for him. 2004 at Steve Bradley, um, who was a former developmental guy, he helped train me as well. And, um, Tom's like, I don't have anything now, but if something comes up, I'll call you a week later. He called me be in New Hampshire and Rhode Island, uh, next week. And, um, you know, uh, you'll do great. And, and, I went to TV, worked out in the ring um, for Arn. Arn liked me. Uh, he said, let's have you get a dark match. And um, I worked with John Walters, who I had probably at that point worked with about 10 times up here in the, the Indies. Um, I think he was ROH pure champion at the time. And our styles just meshed well. And, um, you know, I, Dr. Tom always, you know, put in a good word for us. I know that for a fact. And, um, we had a dark match before raw. And, uh, when I got to the, back to the gorilla, Arn Anderson shook my hand and said, uh, great job. You might've got yourself a job. So, <laughs> so I got, that's how it happened for me. So, um, you know, sorry to be long winded, but it, uh, no, I love it. Great answer. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's it, pretty great though. Aren't, you know, is great. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, it was crazy cause it was like, Arn looked at John. He goes, you look, you look like a heel and he goes, you look like a baby face. You didn't know me. So he looked at me and he goes, I want you to be the heel. John, you be the baby face. So we got in there and like after five minutes, he said, stop. I'm like, fuck, what did we do wrong? <clears throat> and he asked me how he goes, you've been working what, two years? He says, All right. He goes, Well, he looked at Sarge or somebody and said, We got something here, let's let's get these guys a dark match. And that was it. And um he uh he was always he vouched for me and um I think Vince McMahon saw me on the monitor. 
because that's what Johnny Ace and Jim Ross told me and said, like my look and said, sign that kid. So, um, it was very cool <laughs> at the time and to, to always have that. It, it happened too soon, but, um, you're not going to say no and what a way to happen. <laughs> and when you get the call up and, you know, Dreamer gives you the call. <clears throat> I guess he was the, the, the head of talent relations, uh, I guess, really at that point, or the pseudo head. So you have him giving you the call. You're, you're getting the, you know, the debut, but it's Madison Square Garden, the mecca yeah. of wrestling, the mecca of WWE, their home base, everything else. Is that just a huge extra added pressure? Like, not only do you make your debut, oh, but oh, yeah, it's at MSG in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially John being from White Plains and, you know, um, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> doesn't get any bigger than that unless it's WrestleMania. So, um, yeah, we're just like, what is going on? Um, what's happening here? And, um, we look, we weren't ready. We were so green and, but we were prepared. Um, you know, and we actually got, what was it about two months earlier? We did, a dark match with hurricane and Rosie and we, you know, the crowd was like, didn't know us, but they were laughing at some of the stuff we were doing and some of the, the comedy and just some of the different colorful wrestling stuff. And, and I mean, we're a a solid tag team. We weren't a comedy tag team. We would do comedy spots, but they weren't used to seeing that on, you know, Southern, you know, Tennessee two-step spot or pump handle spot, stuff like that. Um, you know, that Southern wrestling in, in WWE. So, so fans loved it. And you know, we got to the back and people were like, Oh my God, that was amazing. That's, I don't know what we saw, but you guys were something. And the next day, Ricky Steamboat pulled us aside at SmackDown and said, you know, you guys did really good last night. You Something different. And you, you know, he goes, that arena loved you guys as baby face. He goes, but we, we talked about you in our meeting today, our production meeting, and you're going to get called up. But he said, you're going to be heels. You're not going to be baby faces. So right there, you know, everything we're doing for TV and for OVW, we're baby faces. And it's like, well, hey, everything you're doing that's working when you get called up, you're not going to do that. So we knew there it was like, it was, it was, you have so many things going against you being young and and green and whatnot. But, you know, knowing that, you know, you've been throwing right-handed your whole life. Now you got to throw lefty (laughs) makes it a lot tougher. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's interesting. How come they, they saw you one way, but you were a different way in ovw like how come they wanted heels but you guys were baby faces in ovw i don't know i I don't know um you know the 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 ovw gimmick was um i don't think it was something long term but um so i think they were looking at two young guys that they could kind of nurture long term but they never never sat down with us we never had house shows to figure things out we never you know, um, in a perfect world, it would have been great to say, hey, we're flying you out to MSG. The creative team's going to meet with you. 
you know, you guys are in your mid twenties. You, you're, you, you only getting better. The arrow's pointing up. We got something here. Let's, um, let's put you on some house shows and, and have them give you, do some dark matches and, and, you know, this is what we want. So what, what we were before the gimmick was pretty much like the Hollywood blondes or any other arrogant kind of heel tag team. I Tully and Arn were always my favorite. So, um, but they never said, Hey, be this, you know, don't be the heartbreakers be, you know, be more Hollywood blondish or be, be like a modern day Tully and Arn and, we would have done that, but so it was, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. But, um, we, we were always prepared and we made the best of it. And, um, you know, you, you can't teach experience, but we did the best we could. And, um, it, it wasn't, you can only make up for lack of experience, but we did everything we could to, to negate that. So why the heartthrobs and not the heartbreakers? Ah, uh, because the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, they told us that. So. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> that make that makes sense. Okay. There you yeah. go. We didn't even yeah. know we didn't even know what our names were going to be until I don't know halfway through the day. I think Brian Gewertz said, "Yeah, you're going to be called the heartthrobs," and then. Like 20 minutes before we went out, Lillian Garcia's like, she's like, I need your information. She goes, where are you even from? <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> uh, we're like, what's a party place? My partner's like Panama City. She's like, great. Panama City, Florida. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But that's funny. Like, creative doesn't give her that information. She's literally coming to you guys together. That's interesting. Yeah, she's like, okay, so it's the heartthrobs. So, um, oh, and they were like, oh yeah, we're just gonna, we're gonna cut off your last names. <laughs> so you're just gonna be Romeo and Antonio. So we're like, all right. So, Typical WB style. They usually do that uh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So the heartthrobs are going to debut at MSG. We said, you know, you're probably nervous. You get the pressure going of this debut. Do you meet Vince McMahon this day? Uh, no, no, not not that I remember. We met Hulk Hogan. He came up to us. We met Mean Gene. Um, <laughs> um, it was actually, too, it was a super show. So SmackDown was there, too. So, like, everyone was there. So it, it was... It's so intimidating, especially at that time. Things were so much different, you know, backstage and, and just, um, you know, you just want to not, I guess you're walking on eggshells. You just don't want to, you always hear about heat. Don't get heat back there. Don't be, don't be an asshole. Don't do anything stupid. So it's just like, you just want to find out what you're doing and, you know, not get heat. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So no Vince, but you know, obviously, you know, you meet in the, the stars of SmackDown and Raw, Mean Gene, the Hulkster is there. What did you kind of think of the crowd reaction, the crowd reception, like how you were treated by the fans that day? Um, I, 
you know, when you, it's weird because right before you go out there, you're like, it hits you like, oh my God, this is happening. Like you're there in Gorilla. So you see Vince there, you see Stephanie and I'm like, all right, don't look, don't just don't look at them. Just be cool. And you get out there and it, you just see the, like the, it seems like the ceiling never ends. It just goes on forever. It's so big. And you're just, you get out there and once the bell rings, it's like, it's almost like in a movie where everything, time just stops and it's like in a vacuum and that bell rings and you're only focused on what you're doing in the ring and like everything else stops. And then once the bell rings for the finish of the match, then you hear the crowd noise and then, you know, um, I don't know. At the time, it was like we didn't know. Like we're like, oh, man, these people don't know us. Um, I remember thinking like what? Oh, man, it seems like the crowd's quiet. Oh, man, are we doing anything wrong? Um, when we left the arena, you have to go through the parking lot and out kind of in the street. There, the reception there. There's always fans waiting there by the gates. Fans were like doing our dance and saying we love you guys and and saying great things. So, um, when we saw that, we're like, all right, we're like kind of relieved because we're like, all right, you know. Um, but we didn't know, you know, we didn't, we didn't really know. <laughs> the thing is, that's just crazy. It's like. How come it you was like rushed? Like you got to be there for Raw. You know, you, you got to make your debut. And you know, like did they ever explain like how come they don't, you know, prep you guys more? I don't know. You know what the 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 funny thing is, we that was the same night Matt Morgan debuted with the the stuttering gimmick, and he actually worked with Zack Ryder when Zack Ryder was first starting, and he was a local. If you go look it up, that was it was you know it. it small world but Mm -hmm. we we flew out there with with matt and with the boogeyman and because we were all um you know ovw guys we all got a car so we traveled and we rode to the show together and they just met with with marty to kind of go over what they wanted to do with him and marty could barely lock up you know he was 40 and just just starting his training you know so um you know i don't know i i we didn't even know what matt was doing at the time and that was a time when i remember they just magically brought up frankie kazarian one day well they didn't bring him up they signed him he went right to tv um but that you know they'd bring up ken kennedy they just brought up bobby lashley on a whim and um they were just bringing up guys and girls quickly at the time and um jillian was with us too jillian hall i remember that but she didn't come on she didn't debut until about four months after that on smackdown so they would meet with talent they would have ideas for talent but you know there was never anything you know there was no reason to throw young talent out there um without nurturing them a little so you know it's like taking a quarterback that's 
you know, freshman in college and just, all right, come on up next week. You're, you're prepared, you know, the plays and everything, but you know, we need someone to start for Joe Burrow. So, uh, you know, he's injured. We need, you know, is it was kind of like that where, and not just with us, but any kind of talent that's, that needs nurturing and needs reps. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, like, this is the big time. So this is the big league's WB. It's yeah. like you would think the guy would be almost overly prepared. Like, okay, this guy's been so, so seasoned, and or the team would be so seasoned, and they'd be so ready, and they know exactly what they're doing, where they're from, and all this other stuff. It's so funny. It's just like everything is just done on a well, whim. It's like, it oh, was, we don't even know where we're from. It was, it, was, it was funny because, like, I remember we did one loop with, back then when Luke Gallows was the freaking deacon. He was in Mid-South. I mean, he was, he was as green or greener than us at the time. And, um, we rode with him one weekend and then we're going to TV one time. And all of a sudden Dolph Ziggler, Nick Nemeth was, he's at the airport with us. And, uh, um, he's like, yeah, they're, they're calling me to TV. I'm doing something. And he was Kerwin White. He was, um, the, the, the caddy. The caddy. Yep. For, Chavo Guerrero. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, there's no, some things they, they, they put time in the, like the spirit squad or Chris masters, Carlito, other different, um, you know, um, but I don't know, you know, Eminem, they kind of threw out there as well, but Eminem had Joey and Joey was, you know, Joey was a ring general. Um, he always was, and he was, you know, John Morrison, Johnny Nitro, Hennigan, however you know him. He had he had um, Joey in there to, and and Molina as well to, you know, help quarterback them. Um, we didn't we didn't have that. We had Nova. We had Rob Conway. Um, Dinsmore would, you know, Nova and Conway, especially because they lived in Louisville. So, um, they would help us out a lot, but it wasn't like we were teaming with them. It was, we were, it was all on us and we were, you know, super new. It's funny. Like, you're like, wow. Like, I don't know. To me, it's just like, wow, to you would think that everything, you know, the, uh, the, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, like, you know, would have everything, but it's, it's just not that way. And a lot of it is kind of, um, a guessing game or just like on the fly or almost, um, a little bit of, um, I don't even know what you'd call it. Like, um, improv well, or something like it's like yeah. wow it's like, let's see what happens with this guy it's weird tommy you know tommy dreamer was was the um he dr tom had was the you know coordinator of talent and scouting that head scout and um then tommy dreamer took over for him so tommy was a huge advocate of us he he loved us and um you know he would he'd be at ovw all the time and he'd tell talent he goes listen i'm i'm telling you a lot of people are going to get called up and, uh, you know, it's going to be sink or swim and, um, you know, just be as prepared as you can be. There's no rhyme or reason to it, but, you know, just just be prepared. Lance would would tell us as well. He said, I don't know who's getting called up. I wish I did. But um, they all prepared us as as well as we could be. 
So Regal and Tajiri, what did you think about working with those guys? Oh, they were great. Um, we were so new and so young. It's like we were so – we were like whatever – we we don't want to stiff them. We don't want to get them mad. We were so subservient to them. And then finally one day a couple weeks in at TV – I don't want to say subservient, but just deferential to the veterans. Let that – you know – yes sir no sir stuff like you know just one day regal is like listen you guys are here now you're we're all peers here so be i had a singles match with them it was in uh, scranton pennsylvania and for heat i had a singles match we started teaming so two segments 12 minutes on heat main event of heat and he told me you know i want you to call the match and uh um you know, you guys need to be assertive. And, um, you know, some of the other veterans, you know, Nova would say that, um, Shelton, Rob Conway, Chris Benoit, who was on Raw at the time, was, was, um, was like a, you know, he was like a big brother to us. He worked out with us. He gave us advice. So all these, these guys were, were helping us and, and wanted to see us succeed. So, you know, Regal and I, um, we, I think we, we called the finish and we called, you know, the cutoff to stop him for me to get some heat on him. And that's it. And we did it on heat. And, um, you know, I, I go, I went back and watched it. And, um, at the time I was like, Oh my God, this, this feels, I wanted to dig a hole and just like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm the shits. What's going on? Then, you know, I get to the back and Nova was like, dude, you're a, for a tag team wrestler is, you know, he was, that was, that was pretty good. You know, you did well. And, um, that, that kind of got us a little confidence and made us a little more assertive in coming up with ideas and, and matches. And then my tag partner worked with him the next week. So that helped a lot. And they were so giving and they would sell, like, you, you learn so much. You know, you give Regal a boot to the gut and he takes it like he got shot with a cannon and you're like, oh, OK, it's this easy. This is OK. That got a reaction. Oh, that. OK, um, he's giving me an opening. I got to take it. OK, I didn't take that opening. So he's going to kind of start eating me up. I got to I got to really we're working, but I got to fight back and get, you know, get mine you know so um those those aspects of working um i really learned from them um guys like val venus obviously nova um you know so so many guys up there um and then working with with arn a lot we worked with ricky steamboat a lot so who are agents so steve kern so all great tag team guys, all just great workers in general, giving you feedback and, and walking through stuff, the how and why of stuff before shows in the ring. Um, so that, that was the fun part of it. You know, the backstage stuff. No, that was, that sucked. But, um, you know, worrying about 
you're getting D pushed or are you going to wrestle tonight or whatnot that no, that's not fun getting in the ring and working with those guys and learning. That was fun. So I was there this night at MSG for your debut. And I remember this quite fondly. I don't know if you would be able to hear from the back. I would imagine so, but so, um, Muhammad Hassan beats, um, Shawn Michaels, obviously Davari. Then they, they're beating the crap out of him. Hogan, makes a surprise return. The Hulkster makes a surprise return. Do you remember this at all? Because I remember deafening. It was one of the loudest pops I've ever heard in my life. Um, I don't remember the exact pop. I remember what I remember. I remember our match. I remember, um, I remember, you know, 20 minutes before we go out, Hulk Hogan coming up to us and saying, hey, guys, good luck. My name, he goes, my name's Terry. And we're like, <laughs> <laughs> we're in our minds we're like terry you're yeah, freaking you're hulk. hulk you're hulk yeah. hogan um john cena comes up to us says like good luck he just like looks at us and smile like laughs but he's like you know good luck guys um i don't remember that i remember i remember the whole thing because mark and and sean were in ovw with us they were already starting to go on the road when um a little bit after I got there, but um I don't remember that exact pop. I do remember the backlash pay per view when uh Hogan and Michaels worked with Davari and Hassan and yeah, it was it was go I'm not one of these, oh back in my day or go look back. It was better back then or anything, but you know, go look at like the, there were still some super hot crowds then, and yeah, it was any any Hogan reaction then was deafening. There was one in Montreal. We were at Raw in Montreal that August, leading up to the Michaels uh, Hogan match at SummerSlam, and they played Hogan's music. Like like you needed earplugs. And then they played Bret's, Bret Hart's music for a Shawn Michaels promo. And Bret Hart obviously wasn't there. Those two things, the crowd was unglued. It was like, you know, I wasn't there for the Rock and Roll Express in Greensboro. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I can imagine it was it was it was similar. The pop was crazy because um me and my buddy went and we took um, his uncle with us who and uh, his nephew who weren't real. Well, nephew's a fan, but the uncle wasn't a fan. He's like, my ears are popping. He goes, this is louder than the Beatles back in my day. Oh. Like he, he was like, he was like literally like holding his ears. He was like, it was so loud. It was crazy. My, my, um, so the first time I saw Hulk Hogan, Springfield civic center, February of 87 wrestling challenge taping. He, he wrestled Kamala, I've like that was, you know, you're nine years old or whatever. Like that was, oh my God, that was, it was deafening. And I remember my dad, my, you know, my dad grew up with the Beatles, with Elvis, been to concerts. He's like, I never heard anything like that in my life, the Hulk Hogan pop. And then at Boston Garden at the Fleet Center, right after um, Backlash, 
he came, you know, him, my family came there, our, our whole family. And, um, Hogan was there again with Shawn Michaels. And that was, that, that was pretty cool. But the, the, the pop was just as loud, um, 20 years later. The Hogan pop is just a, uh, awesome thing and, and being yes. a, a longtime fan i mean it's one of those things like wow nobody quite gets that pop no let, let me, what, even all those years later hogan pop or austin pop oh yeah oh yeah those it's, are close it's, yep it's got to be hogan yep. though it's got to be hogan because right yeah i feel well, like austin might get the the like shorter if you will like it'll be like loud for shorter hogan will get the long extended loudness yeah. But uh, Austin, yeah, uh, I've been at some shows with Austin. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was well, telling well, uh, a buddy of mine the other night, I, I went to uh, a house show in, in Philly in uh, 99, and he must have stunned Shane McMahon, I think, a thousand times. And then Vince, <laughs> Vince came out, stunned Vince. But this was like a, a house show. Like They did like a little small heat taping, but it was really a house yeah. show, and they were trying to um, – Actually, it was late 98. They were trying to promote um, Mania 99, WrestleMania 15 in Philly, and they wanted you to buy the tickets early and do all the other stuff. So they, they kind of went all out for this house show. But it was awesome. I mean, the pop that he was getting just yeah, continually. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, all right, all right. He's like, let's just drink some beers. And Shane apologizes to him. Another stunner. I mean, it's so much fun, but it was so loud. It was one of those things. It was like, wow, this uh, this is crazy. I can't believe somebody's as popular as Hogan. Oh, yeah. And, and when, like all the boys that grew up with that or like when you heard no chance play on the, like when Vince would come out, you're like quietly say like, you don't care. Like, yeah. Okay. Like whoever call me out for singing it or bopping my head to it. We all became fans. Like, um, we are fans. We're the biggest fans. So it was like, yeah, it was, it was great. It was. Hey, were you at a? There was a. We did a Philly Raw back in like July of '05. Were you at? Do you remember being at that one? Because Hogan, I think Hogan was there as well. It's a possibility because at that point when he was like returning in '05, uh, we I don't know. We just we wanted to go to as many shows as possible. He went to SummerSlam that year. We drove all the way down to DC. Oh wow, we, yeah. It yeah. was like the follow Hogan tour. Um, buy all this merchandise all over again it's like i have when i was like eight you know or seven or whatever you know i have this little tiny hulk shirt that i still have um you know and then years later buying you know the x film and, and everything else so yeah we were we were following hogan everywhere that that basically <laughs> that that uh, spring summer yeah he i remember he a couple times he he brought like bubba the love sponge there um he brought his he brought his family there because that was right before hogan knows best and um the the Philly show, I met Bobby Abreu. I don't know if you're a baseball fan. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a huge baseball fan. Great like, Philly. Bobby, he was actually pretty great for the Yankees too. Phenom, yeah, phenom. Like Hall of Very Good. Uh, yes. Maybe not a Hall yes. of Famer, but he's like right, like like with Johnny Damon, kind of. Um, yeah, Paul O'Neill, like the Bernie yeah, Williams. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Type. Bernie yep. Williams. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. Yeah, I met Bobby Abreu there, so that was that's why I remember that like so fondly. Gotta love Philly and the Philly crowd, but as far as like yourself and the heartthrobs and kind of moving along as far as you know, five and and you know, wrestling Val Venus and Viscera and eventually you know Regal and Eugene and Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch. Murdoch. 
What did you kind of think of uh, like your progress, but also what did you think of the tag team progress? Because Vince isn't known as being a guy that like kind of cares about tag team. So it's like you guys kind of, you know, really got to work hard because this guy is not going to put you guys in main events. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to give too much. Yeah. So what did you think about um, how you guys were progressing? We, we started to take a turn, um, doing house shows like in, we just started to be ourselves and just wrestle, um, do what Dr. Tom taught us, do what Lance taught us, do what I learned at Kowalski's, do what we were doing on the indies like four months in because we were like Johnny Ace said, listen, you guys, you guys got to be assertive. You got to start calling things, taking control of matches. You know, you got one month to get your act together. So we, um, Started being more assertive and just said, fuck it. What do we got to lose? Get fired? We're, we're, that's going to happen anyway if we don't change. So we just started just wrestling and not worrying about gimmick and just fluff. So we ourselves started really progressing. And how can you not by picking, you know, we would talk with Shawn Michaels. We would talk with Triple H. We would, you know, just watch all the matches afterwards, stay at every house show, watch the matches. Um, and eventually we were, you know, we were, we had some of Miz's first house show matches and it was like, Hey, you guys call the match and you guys help him. You guys help the young, you know, when we call talent up from OVW, you know, you start working with them. So we, we were, we were kind of of the mindset where let's be the modern day young stallions and let's just, let's, let's find our niche and let's just be the best we can be. And if that's what we become great, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we're like, you know, guys like, like Scotty too hotty, Val Venus, hurricane, all guys that we worked with and learned from. And, and it was like, we, saw ourselves as tag team versions of them. And it was, it was, it was kind of like we have a gimmick, a persona. They're starting to rely on us more to, to, you know, they would put us with big show and Kane a lot. Cause they knew we'd sell and, and make them look good and put over their size. <clears throat> Kate and Murdoch as well. And, um, so no, yeah, you want to be tag team champions, but you know, that's, that's, you know, we, we wanted to see tag team wrestling succeed and not, not be just, you know, two main event guys kind of thrown together. And then you're just, you know, you're on heat, but we, we just, you know, I just wanted to, to wrestle. Um, it was never about the money. I just wanted to make a living wrestling and I loved it. And, the longer we were there, you know, six, seven months in, we started to really get comfortable and gain a lot of confidence and felt like we were in a good place to, okay, we, you know, we have something to build on and we got a little moment. The right people are noticing that we're getting momentum to the fans. Yeah, we're losing on TV or, you know, we're losing matches on heat, but we're getting you know, we're putting over Big Kane or Big Show on Raw, or we're getting 10 minutes on Heat. So we're, you know, we're getting to wrestle or we're getting to 
you know, make the, the, the bigger guys look good. Now, towards kind of the end of your run, did they decide to turn you guys babyface all of a sudden? No, we just, they just, on heat, they just decided to make us be babyface one day. And, um, I don't know. We just kind of did whatever. And we were, we waited in catering one day, like four hours for Vince to come in. We just went up to him with, we had a whole bunch of storyline ideas and booking stuff that we typed out. You know, we took, I don't know, probably for a couple weeks, we would just constantly write down. We were always writing down ideas and stuff and we always had notepads and stuff and just ideas and promo stuff. And we just typed up everything and put, came up with, with, storyline short-term long-term people we could work with we could we gave it to them and said you know we we want to do the best we can and we want to help this company as much as we can and after that for like a month we he started to actually you know ask us how matches on heat would go and just i remember one time he was like getting makeup put on and we walked by and he said, how'd it go, boys? And we said it went very good. We did such and such. And he's like, good job. Keep it up. You know, just stuff like that. But stuff that matters. He doesn't, you know, we weren't, uh, we weren't sharing protein bars or protein <laughs> shakes together, eating steak with one another and catering. But uh, there was, you know, there was a relationship I guess <laughs> just hi, hello. How did it go? Keep doing what you're doing. Great. That's all we needed to hear. And just a pat on the back and the thumbs up and a good job from your agent and the people you're working with. And that's, that's the best man. When you're the people you're working for, shake your hand, say good job, good match. That's what we wanted. That was what we wanted in that segment or match. And you know, so things were good. And then, you know, we just, they just were going, they brought the spirit squad in, they brought the Highlanders in and they got rid of us. Um, I think a week later they got rid of Tank and Chad Toland. Um, and they were cutting people all the time then. So, you know, it sucked, but. I was I was looking forward to getting back on the indie scene and and I hadn't had a chance to do the Ring of Honors to go to Japan to go to Europe Puerto Rico all these places and I was able to to do all that stuff now I could start doing all that stuff so it's like my career was like in reverse I guess yeah you figure you'd you'd get ready you do all japan and then wb would get you not right, like right. Be young and green and everything and then they sign you there yeah that is interesting it is interesting it's kind of backwards yeah usually you work 10 15 years to get to wwf wwe um you know some people it's it's reversed that's how it was for me and it's i take pride in that that even to this day, I just never stop learning and, and wanting to evolve and not, not the heartthrobs. That was great. That was then, but we never, we certainly teamed a lot after that, but we were never, we were whatever you wanted to call us. We were just ourselves and we didn't, uh, 
the OVW stuff was for OVW and we left it there and it was whether it was TNA or Chikara or anywhere else, um, you know, high school shows in Manassas, Virginia, you know, we <laughs> we're just call us the heartthrobs, heartbreakers, whatever. But, um, you know, no boas, no, none of that. <laughs> yep. So when you kind of break away, like you said, you go to Japan, you go to all Japan. Is that ever thought of that it's going to be a, you know, you're going to be a team there, or it's like, nope, you're going as a single and no, eh, I, maybe we'll find Akabono for you, you know, something like no, that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I that popped up on Wikipedia that I teamed up there um, with him, which I did. We we teamed up a lot for some reason. Um, it was great though. I'll, and get to that in a second uh no um we when i we got released i didn't really want to i didn't want to team at the moment i just wanted a month to clear my head i was just um just you know you take a beating mentally and you just kind of want to all right regroup and whatnot and then just get back out there and just i just wanted to reestablish myself as a single i kind of had a lot of confidence, not arrogance, but I had a lot of confidence in the Northeast before getting signed, and I lost that along the way. So I wanted to, <clears throat> I wanted to gain that back, and I wanted to go to Japan. I wanted to continue training and learning, and and go to, because I was like, oh man, people are gonna look at me like, oh you're, the cut from WWE. Like that's, you see so many guys just stop and. That wasn't me. I love wrestling. It's it was always more. It was always WWE, but it was always more than that. So, you know, found my way to to, to all Japan and did work there between 2008 and 2010. Lived in the dojo, trained there. You know, they asked me, hey, do you want to come live here for three months? And um, yeah, <laughs> so. Um, did that, did, you know, started to do ring of honor stuff on my own and just while also for the right shows doing, doing stuff as a team. And we always, you know, um, went to Italy, John was doing a lot of stuff in Italy. So, you know, my first tour there, we, um, I was like the evil heartthrob. He was the good one. So we worked with each other the whole tour there pretty much um which also featured a 19 year old okada and a 19 year old Pac um on the tour when he was ultimo dragon's young boy okada which is freaky um but yeah it was it was like i said you just do you do things in reverse and um I never wanted to stop. I never wanted to stop learning. I wasn't, I was like, I don't have to go back to WWE and, um, you know, I, I never really tried to go back, you know, um, I, I, I had fun. Obviously. Yeah, you, you would, but, um, I wasn't going out of my way to really make contacts there to, to go back. So, um, I just enjoyed 
doing what I was doing, doing some stuff for, for Ring of Honor, doing the stuff in Japan, doing indie stuff, started helping train people and open up my own gym and doing real life things and then just morphing into the Thomas Santel character and just kind of have a, a second wind with that and um, never stop loving wrestling. There were times I was like, I need a break from this. Bah, I don't I no, I don't want to I I need a break. Uh and then there's times where man, I really miss this, you know? And the Thomas Santel gimmick and obviously, you know, it, it's a lot different than Antonio Thomas. Yeah. So it's something that you always kind of wanted to do. You you almost rather prefer that character. It seems like that fits you better than Antonio Thomas. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I um people would always just the way I was doing my hair from about i don't know five years ago um people would say hey you look like george mcfly or you kind of resemble crispin glover and um people would start chanting that at matches and i just i was just if i what you know i had an identity with the heartthrob thing but then from the heartthrob to santel there was like nine years of okay i'm antonio thomas but what am I like what like I was just a guy that could have a solid match with good good grappler good like to chain wrestle and technical wrestle and a good hand I guess you know what I mean just hey go and work put over this kid work with this young guy work do this stuff um I just never had an identity I never felt confident and um Going back to being a history buff, I was always into policemen, you know, policemen and wrestling, um, Billy Wicks, Ad Santel. So I was always John Pesek. So I was fascinated with Ad Santel. And I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to call myself Thomas Santel one day and just start something new. This is before the McFly thing. So then I just said, you know, I'm just going to do the put on the glasses. I'll try the george mcfly thing come out to earth angel and it's not george mcfly but it's kind of a takeoff on it and once the bell starts it's grappling wrestling with a modern twist on it and i wasn't seeing a lot of people just wrestle you know you had guys like drew gulak guys like timothy thatcher um who had a unique style and it's like why isn't there more of this and I'm like, this is the way I like to work, and it's different. I know whatever I do, unless one of those guys is on the show with me, um, there's not going to be people doing, you know, just old school wrestling, which a lot of Northeast WWF, old school WWWF fans would come up to me after shows and say, oh, man, you, you know. Thank you. You bring back the wrestling I used to watch with my dad or I used to watch with my grandfather, Bruno San Martino, stuff like that. And so to me, that was like, wow, that's I was like, I'm onto something here. And, you know, finally getting to beyond wrestling and making a name for myself, you know, last year, 2018, 19. Um you know, I had stuff lined up at WrestleMania for Bloodsport and some other shows. Um, 
obviously that didn't happen, but I want to continue that momentum when things get back and continue bringing a, a different, a different style, you know, um, no apron bumps, no super kicks, no die, you know, timely dives, um, trying to do things different. And I'm not shitting on that stuff. I'm just, there's so much of that stuff that just trying to bring, I guess what's old is new again. And that's kind of, kind of sums up Thomas Santel and, and me. I love it. And as we head towards the finish, head towards wind down, I just love that Thomas Santel and everything about that character and that gimmick, because so many guys today and not to, you know, rip on the right thing. It's just not my cup of tea. Um, some of the guys I like, but some of the guys that are just doing too many super kicks, too many bumps, no selling, um, stupid moves, stupid apron bumps, uh, stupid high spots. I mean, there's so many different things going on today. Is it harder to work with some of those guys? Because I know you, you're in there with like the Nick Gage of the world and the Orange Cassidy's, and you've wrestled all kind of the up and coming guys that the people, uh, the younger fans, are kind of clamoring for today. But it's almost like to me, I don't know if 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 that's uh, for me, you know, that style. But what is your kind of take on working with those guys? Oh, those guys are great. I can't, you know. Um... Working, you know, Nick Gage, it's the perfect odd couple thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, he's a guy that doesn't, he goes, I'm not calling, he's, you know, I'm not calling all this shit. I'm probably going to fucking forget it. You know, he's, um, and, um, no, I, I haven't had to really do that with, um, with a lot of the guys, you know, Alex Reynolds is, is a guy I worked with a lot and we don't have to call a lot. Um, my last match was with a tag match with John Silver and Eddie Kingston and kind of just going, it wasn't great. It wasn't a, just, uh, it just didn't mesh. And, um, you know, but you, Hey, yeah, let's go out and we got this, this, and this, let's go out there and feel it out. Those, um, there's nothing wrong is some people there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to to have a match and go about having a match. I can memorize stuff. I had to memorize a lot of stuff junior heavyweight matches in Japan um where you're like, "Oh my god, your music hits." And it's like, "Oh shit, am I going to remember all this?" Oh. Um uh so but you know, I I had a match with Mike Quackenbush at Chikara last year. We worked a knuckle lock for like seven minutes and, you know, it's like, hey, what if we try something different? What if we somehow worked a hold for like eight minutes but kind of made it – tried to make it interesting and just see where we can go in and out and do some world of sports stuff in and out with that. So um, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of – there's a young kid like uh, Christian Casanova up here in – the Northeast who's starting to break out, um, had a very fun match with him at beyond. And we called some things, but at the same time, he's a kid that, um, I could just, I just said, just everything else, just listen to me. And, you know, I'm going to stay on your head. You take over with the arm drag or you stay on my arm. And that's what we're going to do for until, we got our spots or whatever. Just, just 
basic things like that, man, just the working aspect. I'm sure things that all the things that Dr. Tom has, has spoken with you about and reiterates, um, you know, in the, the back to school shows, um, or the taking you to school shows. Um, yeah, so it, it depends, you know, some, I would like to work with, um, there's a, Tony Deppen is a guy out there making a lot of noise that, um, I would love to work with someone like that. Um, you know, and Hey, you know, we, we can do a dive, but we, we can, we can also tease it and we can also take it away. And that's not just at him or people that do super kicks or anything like that. It's not like the young bucks. I don't have, I've, you know, worked with them before. It's not, I'm just using super kick as an example or apron bumps, you know? Um, so it depends. I just think more, I see it with a lot of new people where they're calling everything. You can tell, who's out there feeling it and really working and who's smooth and, and you can see who's calling it. And, um, if calling it, it, there's phenomenal matches that are called A to Z and you know, that if that's your cup of tea, that's great. But there's also going out there and feeling it and doing the stuff like blood sport or the ring of honor, pure title where you're doing a pure, championship tournament if you watch any of that where you you go out and just literally have a blank canvas to go create that's that's the fun part of it and that's um that's what i miss about wrestling doing doing working with wheeler yuda working um with guys like that that um you can a timothy thatcher a biff Busick. um all right, this is our finish. Let's go out there and have fun. We know it'll be different. Um, you know, work holds and just, you know, this, this, and this. Filthy Tom Lawler is a guy like that, guy I've worked with a couple times that a friend of mine loved working with him like that. Just, he's, I can't remember all that shit. Let's just, you know, we, we know how to get in and out of things. Let's go play. Do you have like all time favorite matches for yourself or favorite opponents that kind of stick out? Could be WWE, could be, you know, Japan, could be wherever. Do you have some favorites? Mm. I've, you know, I like working with John Walters, um, Kaz Hayashi in Japan, Masafuchi in Japan, who people don't know Masafuchi, go look him up. He's, he's in his late sixties now but a master um hmm favorite match uh no i don't i'm not one of those guys that you know says oh, i had a favorite match or anything like that um most memorable match i think the most proud proudest moment i think was sunday house show in memphis um, it was 2005. It was me and John versus Chris Cage and The Miz because we were working with them <clears throat> on a um, house show loop down south. 
and we're the first match and it's memphis a sunday house show easy crowd and we had called you know we'll do this whatever stop you here this is the comeback all right this is the finish but everything else we didn't really know and we had some things planned but then we just john and i would just look at each other and say that's the cutoff did you hear the crowd that's you do this do that and we really had that was like the first match we can remember really feeling it and listening to the crowd and we got to the back and edge who's always so fucking cool would come up to came up to us and said that was that was a fucking great match. He goes, I could tell you guys were listening and you guys were, you know, he goes, great job. And then we did a false tag spot and Shawn Michaels came up to us. It was like, that. he goes, that was a great false tag. He goes, he goes, I'm stealing that one. And, uh, Dean came up to us. Dean was our agent on the, he was on the, the loop that week and just, I just remember him slap like giving us a big handshake. Like, fuck yeah, that was a way to start the show. That's what he's like, you boys are getting it. And that was um wasn't the best match, but it was for all those reasons. That's the shit. That's why you do wrestling. That's why you get into this to hear that crowd reaction, to get the respect of your opponent, to have your opponents come back and be smiling, to have Guys like that that you grew up watching and respected and your peers <laughs> saying, good job, man. Drop the mic. <laughs> Go out. That it For me, that was – if I retire, if I like never wrestled again, that's fuck, That's like perfect for me. Yeah, that's awesome, especially the guys that are doing it and giving the compliments. That's pretty damn cool, yeah. especially yeah. Being, a, being a fan – you know your whole life and knowing exactly yeah, what, you're like, what that means you're like is this happening to me like what like really and then you're like wait a second fuck yeah no we're we're here we've we're peers we're this is what we're here to do it's like you know it's not 11 year old you anymore <laughs> you know it's you're yep. you're here there's a reason you're here and it's nice to hear those things very cool. Now, as far as like just dream match, I know you mentioned like Tony Depp. And is there somebody else out there that you'd like love to wrestle? You got to wrestle, you know, when when the, the quarantine or lockdown, whatever you want to call it, when when the pandemic is over. Is there somebody kind of on your radar besides, you know, Depp and, and maybe uh, guys know, on who, the who else? Guys on the indies right now that I notice. um um, just a young kid by the name of Lee Moriarty, who's out of Pittsburgh working for Game Changer Wrestling and getting around there. Um, love to get in the ring with Christian Casanova again. Um, um, I, I would love to work with Cody. Uh, I think Cody Rhodes is phenomenal. Um, I, I just, I think he's such a smooth worker. He's smart. Everything. I enjoy watching his matches. Um, no, I'm not saying that. I don't need to go to AEW. I don't need to, you know. Um, but I, j- I just always admire his work. Um, man, I'm trying to think at the t- off the top of the head. Um, I'm sure there's going to be someone when I hang up with you <laughs> that, uh, you know, 
did I forget? Wheeler Yuta again. Um, you know, ton of guys like that did the Ring of Honor pure, um, pure championship. Um, Jonathan Gresham. Uh, yeah, you know, guys like that. Um, and and like I said, like a guy like a Tony Deppin, where, you know. He can he can fly he can grapple he can do do a little bit of everything um so yeah guys like that so as far as yourself and, and oh Chris kind of... oh Chris I you know I don't know if Chris you haven't seen Chris Hero but a, a guy like that um shit uh, Tom Lawler now I'm remembering guys um, there you go, yeah. filthy Tom um some of the guy really freaking good like underrated guys like heath slater um i i know brian myers kurt hawkins but never had a chance to work with him i know a lot of guys that he's trained and whatnot but um get in there with guys like that where it's it's like you know you're gonna work hard but it's gonna be a night off you're not gonna come out with bumps and bruises and like you know, ask, hey, do I owe you money? Like, is this real? Or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yep. um, so you know, just got FTR. <laughs> um, you know, uh, those come to mind. So as far as you and kind of your career, where do you see yourself in a couple of years? I mean, still wrestling. Like, where do you kind of see yourself, and what do you want to be doing? Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm not one of these guys that retires, but I'm also not one of these guys where it's like, you know, where I have to wrestle and I'm like needing to wrestle. I love wrestling. I'm always going to love it. And um, my mind is great. My body's great. I stay in shape. I work out hard every day. I'm a, you know, health and nutrition and, and teaching and coaching and training. That's wrestling. And you know, that, that's been my whole adult life. So, um, I'm going to always be in shape. I'm going to always be prepared. Um, I don't know, you know, I would like to get a, I would definitely, I would like to get that. I'd like to be in blood sport. I was, I was scheduled to be in it and it got postponed and, um, I would like to do that. I would like to definitely get a look by like a AEW, um, you know, last year I was at the performance center as a guest coach and that was really, that was awesome. That was like full circle for WWE. It was, you know, coaching, helping out, um, and just having the kind of bringing Thomas Santel to, to more people, um, having fun matches against fun opponents that are, that are safe and that, uh, you know, um, just kind of just just having fun with it and um yeah just just building on the momentum i had last year before everything stopped and uh doesn't mean i have to work you know work in some higher profile places and helping people out helping newer guys and girls out and um doing that i love there's so many things i have interest in outside of wrestling wrestling doesn't define me but I met my wife, you know, um, through, through wrestling. I've seen the world through wrestling. I've made 
good money off wrestling. I've, I've made some of my best friends off wrestling. Wrestling has been very good to me and, um, I just want to keep doing it and helping people and just doing as good as I, you know, I'll know when it's time to stop. And, uh, I don't think I'm, I, I know I'm not there yet. So as far as kind of, you know, I know you do some interviews, wrestling observer, stuff like that. So what's been going on as far as that, as that world and, and how you've been liking doing that? Yeah. Um, I have a show, um, on the wrestling observer site, um, called left my wallet, like the tribe called quest song. Um, it's, it's me talking sports with other workers and people in wrestling and, um, sports and wrestling have been like the two constants, uh, two loves throughout the light, my whole life. Um, and I always found myself talking sports with other people, um, other guys in the locker room and on car rides and stuff. And I'm like, there's, I love podcasts, but like, I don't, I don't want to do something just to do something. Just like, I don't want to wrestle just to wrestle. I want to bring something different to the table. So, you know, I was, I was like doing something different with Santel. I'm like, Hey, there's nobody talking sports with other wrestlers. So three and a half years ago, I started the show and then, um, year later, uh, it, went to the exclusively to the wrestling observer site and, um, um, you know, just, just talk with various guys and girls and people within wrestling about sports and sports related things. Um, whether it's fantasy sports, current events, you know, memories, uh, favorite players or teams, all different things. And, um, a ton, I had a ton of guests on and we, we connected, through that way um you know and um yeah it's it's fun it's you know again finding finding my own little niche and doing something different and just enjoying it so as far as kind of just other plugs and social media and maybe where the fans can can reach out to you and all that other stuff kind of give us all the uh, social media plugs you got going on yeah um Twitter, uh, for Thomas Santel at Retro Grappler. Um, Antonio Thomas Twitter is at Promise Thomas. Um, I'm not a big social media guy if I'm not, unless I'm promoting the, the radio show or shows I have coming up. Um, I try to stay off as much as I can. Um, but, um, I also have an Instagram, Thomas Santel at Retro Grappler. So, um, yeah, I love hearing from fans and love hearing from people, um, good positive things. And, um, you know, so you can hit me up there, reach me there. Um, you can check out the show, uh, wrestlingobserver.com. It's called Left My Wallet. If you're a sports fan, check it out. Um, yeah. And, uh, that's about it. Nice, great stuff. You've got a great story and a, just a, a wild ride. If you just look at the career <laughs> in OVW, WWB, and then the Thomas Santel, you know, doing kind of the retro graphic like thing, like you said, it's uh, such an interesting uh, career, but so cool. And uh, glad to see you know everything is is doing well and uh, still loving the business. So that that's definitely a good thing. It's very good. Yes, it is. 
So I really appreciate uh, all the time and uh, thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you, man. This was great. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.